You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. So we are going to continue with what we started on Sunday, giving by the Spirit. Who is leading you, part nine? Giving by the Spirit. Welcome the next person close to you. Let them feel homey. And and please welcome them like you mean it. Let let them feel your energy. Praise God. Can we pray? Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to share fellowship. Your word is light. Your word is power. Thank you for clarity of thought, clarity of understanding, clarity of purpose, and the clarity of expression. We will hear well understand well, follow and do well. Thank you that your word comes with precision and accuracy in the knowledge of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you are glorified. We are edified alongside with the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So who is leading you? Part nine. Giving by the Spirit is the subtitle. So giving by the Spirit, therefore, will be two. Do you understand it? All right. I made us understand the first record of man's offering to God. In Genesis 4, we went into detail where Abel and Cain gave to God. We saw the pattern of righteous giving and unrighteous giving. We saw the pattern of how God receives our gifts and how we must render our gifts to God. We saw the second in record in Genesis 8 when Noah also gave to God. So it's quite clear how God would love that we give and it transits into the New Testament. We saw how Martha was 
being very hospitable. But he saw the word as a destruction. And he was giving not in the word. He was giving outside the word. And we saw her heart. She was actually asking that she was alone serving and Mary would come and help. And Jesus made her understand that Mary had taken what is needed, that one thing that is needed, Mary had chosen the good part and that will not be taken away from her. We see how if we do not give the way God wants us to give, we give the enemy the opportunity to stand in our way and we are not able to do our giving the way God will love us to do. And we do not actually receive the feeling that comes with giving. I think where God to is very key that all of us are wired to give, all of us because of our identity as the children of Christ. We have the spirit of generosity. And therefore, as part of the gifts of the spirit, Romans 12, 6 to 8, we have been wired to give. We know that we are to covet the best gifts, and therefore, it is not that you have one gift. So as for me, I prophesy. So I don't give materially. Or as for me, I speak in tongues. I don't give materially. Or as for me, I teach. So I don't give materially. The one who teaches can prophesy, can speak in tongues, can give exhortation, and can also give liberally, materially. 1 Corinthians 12 31 tells us, but earnestly desire the best gifts. So he tells us to desire the best gifts. And I said earlier, when I've taught this, that what is not there, you cannot desire for. When the Bible tells you desire something, it means it is already you. So you can desire for it and have it. For example, this is a microphone. It is not a knife. So the microphone, if it has the desire to amplify voice, then it can happen. If it has the desire to cut tomatoes, it can have that desire, but it cannot function in it. <laughs> so when the Bible tells you to desire something, it is because it's already been wired in you. It means that you have that gift and you can function in it and therefore he's telling you to desire for it. Is that very clear? Okay. So, we are to desire the best gifts. So, it means all the gifts in the Holy Ghost are in us and therefore we can function them. And so is giving. Romans 12, 6 to 8 tells us, having then gifts differing according to the grace 
that is given to us, let us use them. So we are to use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in preaching of our faith. And I said faith, there is ministry. So you see the seven. He said all ministry, all ministry, all ministry. So we have to use our gifts and practice them as ministry. We have to use our gifts and practice them as ministry. What he means is that it is something that you do consistently. It is something that has become your service to the body of Christ. What is called ministry is service. So like he said, we have the ministry of agree, or we have the ministry of, 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 of what? Finance. What the people there do is they serve us in that capacity. They do that consistently. When they wake up in the morning, they go to work serving us in that category, in that capacity. Is that very clear? So we are to use our gifts as ministry. In other words, it must be a consistent service to the body. So the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation, the gift of giving literally is meant to be a ministry. So it must be something you do consistently as service to the body. So you, you don't give once and think that, oh, I've done it once and that's it. No, that's not how you do ministry. That's not how you go to work. Those in that ministry don't do things like that. They don't say, today I went to work. And I give my service, so I'm done. I'm tired. It's okay. Then they wait another year. So when you see a believer who gives and doesn't do that as a ministry, it's not because they don't have what is to. It's because they themselves don't understand their ministry. Praise God. Say, I have a ministry of giving. Just like I have the ministry to prophesy. Is that very clear? So when you see somebody giving more than you, and I'm talking about in proportion to what they receive, you must understand that they have more understanding than you do. It's not that they are a different human being. Do you know that there are people who have little, but they give more than those who are rich? Do you know that? Yes. It is not because they are from another planet. It's because they have a certain understanding. They see giving as a ministry. And so every believer must see giving as a ministry. As a ministry. That's why, you see, you don't need to be cajoled to give. You don't need to be played for one night to give. Because number one, it's in your nature. And then number two, you must know that it is your ministry. So you see, when we mark out certain people that, okay, 
they are the ones who must give. We are doing the body a disservice. Just like saying, oh, they are the only ones to prophesy. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, if anybody has a psalm, if anybody has a prophecy, if anybody has a tongue, they can do it. But we should do all things decently and in what? Order. All right? So if all of us can do that, then it means that all of us can also what? Give. We saw right from the beginning that Abel, may not have much as Cain had, because we saw what Cain had in Genesis 4. When he went out of the presence of the Lord, he built the city. Is that very clear? So we saw. But Abel gave the first fruit of his sheep and fat, which tells you the heart. So, you see, anybody that gives according to God's pattern because they have understood and they have the heart that God requires. Praise God. So, you see, our giving becomes a ministry because we have a heart for God. You could see a bell's heart for God. And you're going to see it, that all the people that gave, and they gave, and they gave, and they kept giving. It was because they have a heart for him. You cannot make giving your ministry if your heart is far from him. And when your, your giving is not the best, you must actually know where your heart is. Are you hearing me? You must know. Did I start by telling us that you will see your heart by your budget? Did I say that? Yes. Your expenses will show you your heart. Your expenses will show you. You see, your budget, your expenses, when you are very self-centered, you will see it in your expenses. You will see it in your budget. You see. So it's not something that is not practical. Something that is so like a theory. No. It's, it's so practical. It's so clear. Crystal clear. And you will be able to see it. All right. You'll be able to see it. 1 Corinthians 14 one says, Pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts. Desire. And then he says, but especially that you, you may prophesy. So it tells you that it's not like something is for one person and the other is not. Do you know that all of us have been baptized into Christ? And do you know that there's no male nor what? Because, you see, in spiritual things, there's neither male nor female. There's no Greek nor Jew. There's no master nor servant. And that's why sometimes if you are giving excuses regarding spiritual things, you have to be careful. You have to be very careful. You'll be shocked that you are actually running on the enemy's lines 
I'm telling you. You, 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 you. By the time you realize, he has pushed you further and further and further away from the cause. So, is it when you get some of these things and they are ingrained in you, it will help you? Do you know that many people who today we don't see their fire is because of certain flimsy excuses they started giving about spiritual things? And the fire is gone. <laughs> Every little thing they give excuse. Oh, ask for me. Ask for me, I'm this. Ask for me, I'm that. And then all of a sudden, by the time you realize, they are gone. They are gone. But when you have the understanding that, you see, we have all been wired the same. So when you see somebody going so far, sacrificing so much, it must tell you that you have the same wiring. And so you see how Bible gives us examples of people of that side. And they will tell us to emulate their example. Now, how, why would they tell us to emulate? If we don't have the capacity and the capability to do what they are doing. Is that very clear? So, I think Paul can use, <laughs> may have used, okay, I mean, okay, and we can do so as well, using 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 7, as a corroborative um, um, uh, verse for Romans 12, 6 to 8. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 7. Let's read Romans 12. Romans 12, 6 to 8 speaks about the graces. Is that very clear? Gifts according to what grace? Can you see that in 2 Corinthians 8, they speak about the grace of giving with the Macedonian churches? Can you see that? Are you here with me? So, so let's read it. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. I, I like the way the TPT renders it. I like the way the, the, the TPT renders it. I mean, it makes it very clear. Look at what he says. He says, beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace of the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. For even during a season of severe difficulty, tremendous suffering, and extreme poverty, their super abundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. Are you here? Are they flowing in the gifts of the Spirit? So are they allowing themselves to show forth 
graces of generosity in the midst of severe difficulty. Are you hearing me? Now, look at what, he, uh, look at how he renders it. He says, for I can verify that they spontaneously gave. In other words, when they were told, they did not consider what difficulty they were in. Oh, we are not prepared. Oh, um, Apostle Paul, if you look at our situation, you feel pity for us. No. They spontaneously gave. Watch. Not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. Far beyond what they could afford, they actually begged us for the privilege of, watch this, watch this, of sharing in this ministry of giving. So you see how they see giving. They see giving as a what? Ministry. As a ministry. As a ministry. As a ministry. They begged us. Can I have you be that one? That you are begging to give. Because you see it as a ministry. Don't think that this is exaggerated. <laughs> we are being told of a fact. And it is something that happened. With the churches of Macedonia. And Paul was commending them to the Corinthian church. You are going to see something. Watch this. He says, <laughs> they actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry of giving to God's holy people who are living in poverty. Ah. They were described as people in extreme poverty. They are given to the Jerusalem church because there was a farming. Are you getting the point? Within that, 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 that uh, vicinity. Now watch. They who were described as people of extreme poverty are sharing in the ministry of people who are going through a particular situation at the time that has made them poor. Ministry. 
that's, listen, that's how you do ministry. Say, that's how I do ministry. Do you realize that there are certain people in the embassy that have never gone abroad before? But they serve you to go there. It's called ministry. They've never seen the airport before. <laughs> but they are happily serving you to go there. It's called ministry. You see, when you are in ministry, you live to serve others in that area. You don't consider yourself. You consider others. Listen, fellowship leaders, this is something that you must learn and you must learn it fast. You must learn it fast. Because sometimes you are feeling weak, but you have to go. Not because of you, because of the people. You have a situation. Sometimes they need something. And it's your family that must have some money to do certain things. But because of ministry, you give your last out just because of the people. Ministry. And sometimes the ministry has or the people would have something that you don't want have. And you are giving it to them. Are you understanding the point? You, you, and it's something that you wish you can have, you can possess. What I, that's what I mean. But you have to give it what? Away. For others to enjoy. Is that what Christ did? No, is that what Christ did? Is that what Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 talks about? And it became a sweet-smelling word. Aroma before God. Is that what Noah did? Is that what Abel did? That's the pattern. And you can see, that's why they said the grace of giving. And they compared it to Christ's generous giving to us. Christ's generous giving to what? To us. I know you're thinking through it. It's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. Say it is fulfilling. So look at what Apostle Paul is going to say to them. Watch. They exceeded our expectations. By first, dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us, according to God's pleasure. Are you here? Are you here? Watch. Did Abel do same? 
God respected who? Abel and his offering. Did Noah do say? Are you getting the point? So, you see, I, 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 that's what I said. Your heart first, and then your gift. Your heart first, and then your gift. If, if that is not how you do it, you will give today. You'll be angry tomorrow. you give today. You'll be offended tomorrow. Any little thing, me, I won't give again. <laughs> Any small thing, oh, me, every time. The moment, I mean, we're talking about money, and then you squeeze your face. Why? Because your heart is not settled with it. Your heart is not settled. They exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord, then to us, according to God's pleasure. Can you see that there are no strings attached? Can you see that? It's giving with no word strings attached. The focus is God's pleasure. Say the focus is God's pleasure. Say, please, the focus is God's pleasure. Anybody that says, hmm, what they did to me? I gave and I gave and I gave. And look, hmm, hmm. The focus is whose pleasure? It's whose pleasure? Your pleasure. If it is God's pleasure, oh, oh. Do you know, sometimes I think about it. That, don't you think it's a privilege to give? Don't you think so? Did Paul say that in Acts? It's more blessed to give than to what? Can you imagine you are the one who is asking? Have you imagined that? Do you know that nobody likes asking? So, when you are in the position and you are the one giving, you must actually count yourself privileged. Of course, I know that receivers too have no limit. <laughs> you know that thing too. Yeah. But when you understand the concept of giving God's way, always see it as a privilege. Praise God. Is that very clear? Now, the six is going to do a comparison. Where it makes us understand how we are to learn 
from those who are doing it the way God wants it done. So when you read and say the grace poured upon them, it's as if that, oh, God has given them a special grace. So you know that in this, in most churches, said, oh, this person there, they have a special grace of giving. Oh, have you, you, you hear that thing? No. What it means is that the person have availed themselves more in that word area. Is that very clear? They have allowed God to actually permeate. Okay, permeate in that, in that area. I mean, go deep with them in that area. And that's exactly what the, the churches of, of, of Macedonia did. That's why we appeal to Titus. Since he was the one who got you started. Eh? And encouraged you to give. Eh? So he could help you complete this generous undertaking on your behalf. Can you see the heart of the Macedonian churches and the heart of the Corinthian church? Giving is not a ministry to them. As a matter of fact, Titus started with them, encouraged them. Are you hearing it? Yes, encourage them. Oh, you have to give. Oh, oh, you have to. And he's been doing that since. No show. May you not be like the Corinthian church. Say we have too much knowledge. And therefore, we have too much grace to be like the Corinthian church. That's why we appeal to Titus. Since he was the one who got you started and encouraged you to give, so he could help you complete this generous undertaking on your behalf. You know, there are people who give pledges and they don't, they, they, you see, they see you and they look somewhere. Yeah. Or they, they give pledges and when they are asked, hey, trouble. Or they give pledges and then when it is time to fulfill, they don't come to church. You know they have. It's because of lack of understanding. And there are many people that some of these things have even made them leave churches. When you go on evangelism, you hear people say it. They give to a church, and they give and give and give. When they were in need, what happened? The church didn't, so they have what? Left. And that's why they left the church. And as a matter of fact, do you realize that most of the people you talk to, you ask them, so what happened? They say, oh, hmm, somebody helped me, or my auntie helped me. Also, you know, God made a way God made a will. But they are so bitter because they have no understanding. May that not be your portion. Praise God. Seven. You are going to see something. And that's why I said it corroborates the Romans 12, 6 to 8. 
it, it, it makes us understand it very clearly, including 1 Corinthians 12. Verse, um, I think, um, the, the 10, where the gifts of the Spirit tend to like 14, 15 thereabout. You, you can watch. You do well and excel what? In it. So, Paul is referring to the gifts of the Spirit. Can you see that? So, in other areas of the demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit, you do very well. And then he would mention some of them. In your passionate word. Hey, in unstoppable faith. <laughs> in powerful preaching. In revelation knowledge. Can you see it? In your passionate devotion. And in sharing the love we have shown to you. Watch. So What? Make sure that you also what? In what? Grace-filled generosity. So it's not because the Macedonian church is special. No. And it's not because one is being given something and the other is not being given. We can all flow if we avail ourselves in all. Is that very clear? Do we all understand? I wish sure we understand. It's clear to us. Okay. I'll take us to First Chronicles. So you can understand that the pattern is not New Testament, like I said, right from the Old Testament, we saw right from the beginning. And it continued in the Old Testament. This is the time of David, David the king. He, he normally didn't like calling himself the king. He called himself the servant of God and operated more as a prophet of God. He spoke more about Jesus' resurrection than almost all the prophets. As a matter of fact, he spoke more about our salvation. 1 Corinthians 29, 2 to 18. Now, I told you about how he wanted to build the house of God. You know that. And God didn't even allow him. And that's why I said it's always a privilege to give. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, iron stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. That's a profound statement. That shows the very heart of man. Where there should be gold, he's putting gold. Where there should be silver, he's putting silver. 
where there should be bronze, he's putting where there should be iron stones, he's putting them there. He's setting everything in their place. And he says, I am doing all of this because I have set my affection upon the house of God. I told you, it will show in your budget. It will show you in your expenses. It will show. I am doing all of this because this is where my love is. My love is with God's house. Is this like the Macedonian church? Can you see the spirit of generosity? I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. My own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, of gold of offer, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. The gold for things. Of gold and silver for things of silver. All kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? The consecration there is to set apart oneself. So giving is worship. <laughs> That's what we don't know. You see, it shows you the state of your heart. When he says set apart, what he's trying to say is this. He first told us that he has set his affection on what? Upon the house of God. Who will consecrate themselves? He's talking about giving. What he's saying is that you, the human being, you yourself, you are God's possession. Hence, all that you have is also his. So what it means is that you are setting yourself apart for what? For him. With everything that you want, you have. Is that very clear? So look at the response. Then the leaders of the fathers' houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains, thousands and hundreds, with officers over the king's work, offered willingly. Can you see that? So can you see once again that there's first the giving of self? Because they know God respects the person and then respects their gift. Is that very clear? He looks first at your heart. That's why he was telling them. So, you, he would have said that he washed them or he did something. But the setting apart is because of the giving. Are you getting the point? 
Yes. That's, so that's why they also knew. They understood it. And therefore they offered what? Willingly. Is that very clear? So it has to do with the giving. So our giving to the Lord by the Spirit is not for sure. We give as set apart ones who actually know that whatever we have is even already his. And we are rendering as servants to the one who owns us and therefore owns everything that we consider as what? Ours. Clear. So, can you see that they said they offered what? Willingly. Can you see? Can you see that? Was it willingly? Was it by force? Why? Because they have set themselves what? May it be your mindset. They gave for the work of the house of God. And then they started mentioning, mentioning all that they gave. Wonderful. Nine, then the people rejoiced. Oh my God. Anytime I read the scripture, it so ministers to me. They rejoiced for they had offered willingly because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. Can you see that? With a loyal heart. Can you see it is in servanthood? Can you see that? A loyal heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Ten. Therefore. 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 David blessed the Lord. Before all the congregation or the assembly. And David said, blessed are you Lord God of Israel. O Father. Forever and ever. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Can you see the place he's coming from? From the place of stewardship. I don't own anything. You own 
and possess everything. I only receive from you. And I am giving to you. Praise God. Oh. Oh. Who is the king? Who is the king? Oh, who is the king? But whose is the kingdom? Can you see that? So you see how David sees himself? He is the servant of the king of the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. These are salient points I think you are putting down. Anytime you say my house, say it with a certain sense of humility. Anytime you are saying this is mine, this is mine, you must say it cautiously. Are you understanding me? You must be careful how you say some of these things as a believer. Because, and that's why it becomes difficult for us to let go. Because we have the ownership mentality. And that's what we are being taught in most places. Instead of a stewardship mentality. We are being made to feel like we own, we own, we own. You have to own, you have to own. And it's yours, and it's yours, and it's yours. Yes, he willingly gave it to you. But you should be wise enough to know that somebody gave it to you. And listen, when people give things to you, they give it for a Nobody will want you to give you a gift and see you using the gift anyhow. True or false? Oh, true or false? Nobody. You should be wise enough. You should be wise enough. The purpose is for his work. And you can see how these guys have a good understanding of honor to God. Honor to God. I said, I think when I was treating the Jesus Culture series, I used this thing when I was, when I was talking about giving, right? Yeah. You know, and I was saying how we should be able to leave our inheritance for the church. Yes. 
And I hear Dr. Otabel made that, he was preaching somewhere, and he said that, and come and see the way people are bashing him. Because, and I'm sure they are even Christians. We are not ready. When we are doing inheritance, church is not part. Lift up your hand. Church is not, we don't even think about church. Meanwhile, from birth, you're outdooring. To your barrier is the pastor. Am I lying? Am I lying? The church. We don't even think. And yet, we see churches like the Latter-day Saints, like the Jehovah Witnesses, like the Roman Catholics, and we see them expanding. And we don't know that that is their secret. Before a new area will come up, they have bought all the lands there. So by the time the area starts, you will see their temple right there. Sometimes you see a very remote area. And you ask, ah, how did they get? They bought it way back. We must be committed to this understanding. And we must see giving as a ministry. Ministry. Look at, look at the mentality. Yours is the kingdom of Lord. And you are exalted as a head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. So he says, you made me. David, 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 David. Me, I'm nothing. All this money that I'm giving, you are the one. Riches and honor come from what? You. Sometimes we talk about coming. It's my hard work. You know the way I work. I work hard. If you use all the money to buy oxygen. For the next day's work. Tell me which one you have. So human beings. We easily forget ourselves. More so, Christians, we should know better. Say we should know better. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? Who are my people? Watch, that we should be able to offer so willingly as this. As a matter of fact, even the grace to give, you gave to us. Did you hear that? You gave to us. You saw that? You gave, you gave. Can you see that? He's taking 
himself out and solely making God the focus. Who, who am I? And who are That you give us this privilege. Are you getting the point? Mm. He answers it. For all things come from you. And of your own, we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you. As were all our fathers. Can you see training? Can you see training? Can you see mentality succession? Do you understand now when he says, David is a man after my heart? Do you understand that statement at all? What God says, when God says, I have found a man after my own heart, it's not that God gave David a special heart. No. I have found a man who has made my heart his heart. <laughs> David considers the things that give me pleasure as the things that gives him fulfillment. That's the meaning of I have found a man after my own heart. What drives David? What drives David? are the things that he knows are my passion. That's what drives him. That's why he said, I have found. Are you getting the point? Yes, I have found. He has made his desires align with my desires. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. Can you see? Eternity focus. That's why I said, if you're a Christian and you don't play down materialism and your focus, material, material things, material things, material things, you don't know him. 
you don't know him. You don't know him. Oh, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. It's all your own. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. Can you see? Can you see? And God had respect for Abel and his offering. God tested the heart of what? Abel. And respected his offering. He knows the heart it is coming from. That is what makes him receive. So we can take your money. But God rejects your money. Is it making sense now? Is it making sense? Do you see why Jesus said, when you are coming to give and you have a problem with somebody, leave what? The offering. Is it making sense now? Yes. What heart is it coming from? I know you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent and the thoughts of the heart of your people. And fix their heart toward you. That this will not just be this alone. This will be the constant for every Jew. This will be the constant throughout the reign of all kings. That they will fix their hearts towards you. So you see where Solomon went wrong. How the word of God is so consistent. So if you know what this means... I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. If you read Malachi 3, 8 to 10, you fix it well. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat. And I will do what? Open the windows. Eh? And pour out what? Is he saying that you have to give before he gives? Is that what he saying? That's not what he's saying. 
That's not what he's saying. It's the test of your own word. Towards what he has word. It is not in our giving that he supplies. He supplies and we what? Give. And he still what? Supplies. Simple. <laughs> He's not waiting for you to give before he supplies. He supplies. But you decide to what? Give. So what Malachi was actually talking about is how the people's heart will be fixed. He told them the kind of offering they give to God. If you read from the two coming. Sometimes one eye sheep. Then they bring you. A sheep that is limping. As he's bringing the, the one that he doesn't like. Then he brings it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. You know how sometimes we do it? May your heart be fixed. Look at Luke 8. One, two, three. Luke 8, one, two, three. Soon afterward, Jesus began a ministry tour throughout the country, visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom. His 12 disciples traveled with him as did a number of women who had been healed of many illnesses and set free from demonic power. Hello? Was Jesus kind to all? Was Jesus kind to all? But we see the hearts of some. You see, it always plays. It always shows. One of the women was Mary, who was from the village of Magdala, from whom Jesus cast out seven demons. Among the women were Susanna, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who managed King Herod's household many other women who supported Jesus' ministry from their own personal finances 
also traveled with him. They were fixed in their hearts towards Jesus and his ministry. Can you see them doing ministry? Can you see the ministry of giving? They were funding the gospel. Their personal finances also traveled with him. A giver isn't a spontaneous donor. No. Who gives only during services alone? No. No. A giver is one who is dedicated to giving. And he's a generous financial partner to the church, to the pastor, and his ministry. They are consistent. And you believe these ones? Their names were mentioned. And many other women. They were rebuked. No, they stopped giving. No. It's not the spirit of giving. Praise God. So how did Jesus' ministry go? How did Jesus' ministry go? Uh-huh. By the financial support of people. God needed financial support. God. He didn't create miracle money. <laughs> That's what you like. You like to be lied to. You like adakabraka. Is that not it? What is it? Is what? Ah. Okay, okay. Then say you don't like to be lied to. That's okay, that's good. Don't like it all. Even Jesus, 
had people working to support his ministry. He didn't create miracle money for them. So there's no other way to be a constant giver. You work, and out of your work, you give. Is that very clear? <laughs> How some of these people get some of these things? They are the only ones who... John 19, 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. Even in his death, he had loved ones. Who had political connections to make sure he was buried and buried befittingly? Can you see that? Can you see that? Let me read. Look at 39. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus at night and brought a mixture of mare and aloes, about an hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There they lay Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day. For the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Hello? Oh, hello? Let me read the Matthew account, 27, 55 to 61. Many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea, named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Hello? So he was a rich man before he became a disciple of Jesus. It was not Jesus that made him rich. A rich man from Arimathea 
who had become a disciple of Jesus. Hey, can you see that? This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. We can't do ministry without people. It's not possible. We need people with substance. People who are ready to give without looking back, without looking side and side. They're just giving. And you must know that you are one. Oh, praise God. You are one. You are one. Watch. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Can you see? No, can you see how they are describing? Clean. Can you see that every time they are giving, they make us understand the specifics, the adjectives that come with the giving. Anybody that tells you it's unnecessary, they don't understand the pattern of giving. God is interested in how you give. God is not interested in just any giving. No. He's interested in how you give. And the adjectives displays or demonstrates the hearts of the people. The heart with which they are giving. Do you remember that when Mary brought the alabaster it was told us how many years wages will buy that perfume. We were told specifically. When David and his people were given, we were told the talents of gold, the refined silver, with specifics. We know that there are people who have abused it. But it doesn't take away the substance of it. So we don't give anyhow. No. We don't. We prepare our hearts out of the love and gratitude. Like Mary, Jesus said it. They were asking, why would this woman do all that she's doing? Jesus said, whoever has been forgiven plenty also loves plenty. Clean linen. 
linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb. Can you see that? His new tomb, he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. He didn't hire people to do it. He did it himself. We saw how he was described. A rich man. Why? He was serving the king of kings. He was doing it out of his heart. What he means to me Means so much. He did it himself. And Mary Magdalene was there. And the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. Jesus. Can you see gratitude? Hearts of gratitude. They cannot forget. Even in his death, they showed him so much gratitude. So much gratitude. They prepared him for burial. They gave him a tomb. Can you see that they are giving according to the need of the church? They heard the news. They came. This is what the church needs. This is what the pastor needs. Nobody has to tell them. They offered to do it. We never saw anywhere. But they were asked to. They themselves came. He went to the man, to the king, to Pilate, and offered, risked his job, give me his body. They knew what to do when the church had a need. When pastor died, God forbid, I'm not dying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not dying now. We have a lot of work to do. But even in the midst of that, they knew what to do. They were there. They were there. They had the need of the church on their hearts. Mary Magdalene and Ma the other Mary, they were sitting there. They were sitting there. I'll finish on Sunday. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished.
much. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the Word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.